Hi, I'm Tamina, gender equality activist and sales professional at a global technology company. When I graduated from college in 2017, I was struggling to figure out how adulting works. School did not properly prepare me for some of the most basic things that my young professional life would eventually throw at me. If this sounds familiar, please join me on this journey to empower young women who are, just like myself, still in search of a fulfilling, purpose-driven life. Welcome to FemHive. Today, I am joined by Mary Huan. Mary is a recent grad of Emory University and the Duke University Sanford School of Public Policy. In early 2020, she decided to focus her energy on exploring the meaning of home. After her parents' divorce and spending a lot of time solo traveling, Mary started to realize that we all have our own definitions of home and try to understand how it shapes our identity. She recently published her book, Where is Home?, and is also the host of the Where is Home podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how our roots, experiences, trust, and identity shape who we are and how we can build a sense of home away from home. Welcome to FemHive, Mary. I'm so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course, my pleasure. So Mary, I just gave a brief introduction to you, but would you mind sharing your story in your own words and elaborate on how all of these experiences have allowed you to get to where you are today? Absolutely. So I will start by saying that, Tamina, I really feel myself as an artist. Um, it's a very at the center or core of my identity because mm. I love connecting with people through expressions. So what that means is that that's why I, you know, studied marketing as an undergrad, because uh, I think, you know, a huge part of marketing is storytelling, right? It's to mm. craft that interesting narrative to connect with people, to send that message. Um, so in since a very young age, I did choir when I was seven. Uh, I did piano, I did ballet. It's just, I think all these artistic experiences definitely shaped a lot of who I am today as a storyteller, as someone who really wants to connect with others in a deeper level. That's wonderful to hear. And I, I, totally relate to what you're saying in regards to marketing being storytelling. I'm actually working with marketers in my in my current job. So that's definitely something that I find very appealing as well. Although unfortunately, I was not as artistically gifted as you. I, I wish I, I could sing, but I just have the worst voice ever. <laughs> so you grew up in China, but then moved to the US, correct? Could you share a little bit about how that experience was for you? Absolutely. So yes, I grew up in Beijing. Uh, my parents are still now in Beijing. And I stayed there till when I was about 12 or 13. And that's mm -hmm. when I made a big decision when I said, oh, I want to continue my education here in the States. I, I would say that that transition is definitely something I would say challenging for both of me and my family because, you know, think about it. Like I was only 13 uh, mm -hmm. when I moved away from home. That's a very hard decision because my, obviously my family want to be with me together and they, they are so worried about me because, you know, I didn't have any relatives 
uh, or anybody here in the States. So I, I'm, I'm literally on my own. <laughs> mm. So um, that, that's how I you know, finished high school and then continued my college you know, at Emory and so forth. I, I would say that is a turning point when I really started to think about what home means to me because my home home is in Beijing, but then now it's, it's kind of shocking to think that I spent about, let's see, a third or a fourth of my life here in the States already. So that kind of speaks a lot as to is home still a, a location or is it just the life that I have? So I, I literally feel a little bit of a splitting in half and half in that sense. Wow, that that's super impressive and very brave um, to have made that decision at at only 12 years old. I feel like when I'm thinking back to my time when I was 12, I feel like I was still very much emotionally and obviously physically attached to my family and especially my parents. So I would have never even thought about um, taking that incredible leap of faith and just move, you know, all the way across the world and especially mm. to, to a country that is also culturally so much more different you know mm -hmm. um than what you're used to um and you were just saying that because of that experience you started thinking more about what home actually means like is it a place is it a feeling um would you mind elaborating a little bit more and like as of now what does home mean to you mary let me uh kind of backtrack a little bit to share with you Uh, what home used to mean to me and now how that changed mm -hmm. over time. So it used to mean where my family and I were together. So mm -hmm. it's, it's that kind of, you know, the house that we used to live in together. And, you know, the, my, when my grandma cooked dinner all the time for me. And, and you know, that, that, that closeness with your family is, is super important to me as to the definition of home. Mm -hmm. But because of the physical separation, It's something that I had to somehow redefine what home means because I'm literally physically away from them for most of my waking hours since, you know, 13. So then I start to realize mm, it, it, it doesn't have to be a location anymore. Mm. To me, it's more about the life that I'm building. Mm. Uh, so what that means is that I still, you know, cherish the part of me in Beijing, you know, the memories that I have with mm. my family. But now I really need to look forward in terms of how, how do I connect my past with my future? And home now is more of where I am. Like wherever I am, I hope that I could create that sense of home. Mm -hmm. Not only for me, but for other people around me. So I believe home mm -hmm. is essentially who we are and mm -hmm. how we connect with each other. So I, I would say that that's how I define home right now. Gotcha. Very, very interesting. And we're going to talk a little bit more about about that later. But I was just wondering, as someone who has lived, studied and worked in three different countries myself, I am very familiar with starting over in different places and creating a new home for myself. You're just saying, you know, home is where I am and where I create that special place for, for myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know that aside from having moved from China to the U.S. at a very young age, you've also traveled to a lot of different places, including you know, Indonesia, Australia, Malaysia, Japan, Israel. 
Italy, I think, France, Switzerland, the Caribbeans, and the Netherlands. I I, I hope I got all these countries right. <laughs> um, Absolutely. It's, it's a long list. But um, Mary, how has your traveling affected how you define what home means to you? Mm, that, that's a beautiful question. So I, I would start by uh, sharing with you this anecdote that really speaks to, you know, the question. So when I was lost on the street in Rome, <laughs> you know, when I was in Italy, back then I spoke broken Italian. I, I looked as clueless as all the other tourists on the street. Um, <laughs> and then I was totally lost because I, I, my phone died conveniently when I was just about to find a pizzeria, which I wanted to go to have lunch. So I, I was clueless. And then I, what I did was I walked up to a few locals on the street and trying to ask them, hey, how can I get to this pizzeria? But what ended up happening was that they took me on a day tour of Rome instead. <laughs> and what's even better is that they, at the end of the day, they invited me to their grandma's house where their grandma is cooking cultural pepe. And then at the end of the day, I was having a family dinner with them. Like, isn't that like crazy? Like, isn't that amazing? I, I would say that anecdote really gave me an epiphany of what home means. Because it's really someone who don't even know me, mm -hmm. uh, but want me to feel at home. And that is super beautiful to me. And, and you know, Right there and then when I was, you know, enjoying my cultural pepe and then trying to speak a broken Italian and then connect with the family, uh, it doesn't matter the language barrier. They just were mm. so curious to know about me, to want me to feel that I belong. Mm. I think that speaks to your question of how traveling shapes my idea about home. It's really, it's really where I am and how, how those people want you to feel at home. And whatever that means to you, I mean, even if it's so different from where I'm from, but the idea of home, I, I believe, is universal. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such a beautiful anecdote. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think it really highlights that at the center of everything is human connection, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's such such an important piece of, of how we experience our environment and how we might define a place as our home. And that's just beautiful. And something that I was just actually reminded of when you were sharing your story was of how when I moved to the U.S. for college, um, during my first semester, I was just starting to, to meet new people and meet you know, your friends in, in, in the classroom and whatnot. And obviously, as we all know, Thanksgiving is arguably the most important holiday in the United States. And being from Europe, I, I didn't have anywhere to go. But then one of my my classmates asked me if I wanted to come home with her to, to spend Thanksgiving with her family at that point. I mean, we knew each other, but we weren't like best friends yet or anything but that was just so so kind and I had the most amazing experience with her family they were all so welcoming they cooked the most amazing Thanksgiving dinner and that's definitely something that I will will never forget so a uh, shout out to my dear friend Maggie uh, <laughs> for, for being such a kind soul and and also my two friends Paula and Sammy who have um 
who have invited me to their family's Thanksgiving celebrations in, in years past. So it's beautiful to hear these stories. I'm so glad that you resonate with uh, with that. And uh, I'm so glad that you know, you build up, you know, amazing friends who want you to feel at home and actually bring you back to their home. For sure. And actually, Mary, we do have even more in common because um, similar to you, I did not grow up in a traditional household since my parents separated when I was very young. And while I love my parents and had a very happy childhood, I often reflect on how my unique um, family dynamics shaped me and have Mm -hmm. actually come to the conclusion that my parents not being together definitely resulted in me having become a lot more independent early on at -hmm. least in direct comparison to my friends who grew up in a household where their parents were still together and Mm As a result, it was a lot easier for me to leave my hometown at a relatively young age and get on a plane to explore a different country. Mm-hmm. And I know, obviously, you left your physical home as in Beijing at a much younger age than me. But I also know that your parents' divorce had a significant impact. And I was actually reading your blog post the other day where you were very vulnerably and eloquently telling the story of how you found out that your dad had cheated on your mom. Mm -hmm. And there is this one quote that particularly stood out to me that I would love to read out loud now, if you don't mind. And I quote, I had never felt so out of touch with happiness, with security, and with my identity. Family became a broken promise and a distant past. That, I think, already says a lot, but now that you can look back on this experience a few years later, Mary, mm-hmm. how has your parents' divorce impacted you and, you know, this whole idea of where you where you find home? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first off, thanks for reading that line, Tamina. I'm so happy that, you know, you find that powerful. Mm-hmm. Um to your question, I think it's a very loaded issue, the issue of divorce, because I believe each family, the divorce is different. But for my family, the core issue is that my dad betrayed my mom and, and in a way indirectly to me, because he used to be this figure who I trust, you know, it's like, you can relate to this as a daughter, you know, when you look up to your dad, you always feel like, okay, dad is the rock, right? Yeah. For this family. It was the main source of security for me and for the family. But because of what he did, um, it literally sh- shook like my idea or impression of that trustworthy figure in this family. All my impression about who that was just sort of started to dismantle. And it was a very hard reality for me to accept how that impacted me. I would say that it, it definitely pushed me to be more independent because it used to be that I, I rely on my dad a lot in the sense that, okay, I seek for you know authority or security from my dad. But now I knew that he's no longer the person I thought he was. So it pushed me to be more independent in a way, like making my own decisions, 
for example, choosing what major I, I pursue or what interests I pursue or like whatever I do, it's no longer tied into his decision or advice mm. anymore. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. Um, and even in the solo traveling aspect, you know, like it, it's, it's more of they all tie in together in a way, because for me, solo traveling is liberating for me. It's, mm-hmm. it's a way for me to claim my own autonomy. Mm. Uh, you know, it's no longer like, oh, I have to respect their, like, especially my dad's opinion. Because uh, it used to be that he always sort of interfere with whatever I do in a way. Like, he always have a say in what my interests are academically or what do I want to do as a job in the future? He always have a say in that. Uh, but now it's no longer like that. So I, I would say, you know, there's pros and cons in terms of what, how that divorce affected me. And yet again, it's very relatable because I felt like at some point my dad also moved on, like had a new partner. They had children together, which was something that was very difficult for, for me to accept. But, you know, that choice of his and like obviously wishing all the happiness because he's still my dad and I love Mm -hmm. him so much but that definitely pushed me away a little bit and um, provided me with a unique opportunity maybe also like a certain like (sighs) survival Mm. or coping mechanism to go out and leave my leave my hometown and explore the world and and be more autonomous and and claiming that autonomy as 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 you um framed it very very beautifully so i can definitely relate to that even though my my parents separation was amicable and nothing bad really happened there it, w- it was a good decision at the time and on their end but obviously uh, something like that will will always impact the children long term i i think you know especially tamina you you brought up this uh beautifully you know how it impacts children long term i would say because you know both of us know for our first example of what love and commitment is is learned from our parents right we we, we always look up to them to know how a relationship works but when mm. that is broken i believe for me i was pushed to explore in my own way now what commitment means because it didn't work out for them so I would say that definitely has a long-term effect on, on kids. Uh, and I would say betrayal, it's definitely a very destructive element in all that. So I, I would say, you know, for parents, for anyone who's listening to this, I, I really hope that they would set up a good example. And even if, you know, as you said, I'm so happy, Tamina, in your case, it's like amicable uh, decision. But for other cases, it's not really amicable, like in my case. I would say I hope the parents could have been more thoughtful as to how to uh, give kids that kind of guidance as what a healthy relationship actually works. Yeah, and 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 I don't know how how you experienced that in your in your own life since that life changing mm-hmm. uh, experience that you had. But for me, when I think about my my own relationships or romantic relationships rather it's something that I really cherish and put a lot of like thought into because I and maybe I'm a little bit 
too romantic I don't know but like <laughs> when, when when I think about my future partner I, I want that to be one person forever right oh, and oh. I know nowadays obviously um, divorce rates are, are, are going up um, yeah. which can also be a good thing because like to some extent one of the reasons is that women are now more independent and pursuing their careers more so they're not as financially dependent on men anymore which you know I, I I'm a big fan of that aspect for sure mm-hmm. um, but at the same time I I just don't want my future children to experience anything like what I experience or what what you experience or other mm-hmm. friends whose parents uh, separated or got divorced. So in that sense, I do feel like that I'm trying to to learn from my parents' mistakes, if mm. I, you can put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, Tamina, there's nothing wrong to be too romantic. <laughs> thank just be, you yeah just be you you know that that beautiful thought you know I, honestly I think mm, there's one time my professor and I had an interesting discussion about what you just said in terms of that belief mm-hmm. they think you know in terms of you know the higher divorce rate and, and the topic of how to make uh commitment works in the modern love yeah. um actually my professor said something the, the, the tragedy would not be that people have a higher possibility of separating from each other. But the tragedy itself, it's actually they don't believe in commitment anymore. And, that, mm-hmm. and I think that is a powerful uh, thought that my professor and I was you know, having a coffee chat. So I, I believe the belief is very important. If people sort of, if you believe that things can work, right, if things can sort of uh, stay in a committed relationship, then people will work towards that direction. But if people no longer believe that's possible, then y- 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 you know what I'm saying. The, what, whatever comes after is just going to be going towards the destructive direction. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, commitment is such an important and strong word in this uh, context. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Definitely, definitely interesting. Be curious to to explore that whole topic of modern love and modern relationships more, because I think that is something that is very common for our generation to to just think about and and reflect on. Absolutely. Mm. So then, Mary, um, obviously you you you've been writing this incredible book and have have been exploring this topic of of home what has been your family's response to your book and you exploring this topic in general like does your dad feel guilty at all uh, <laughs> so uh, so i would say so for my mom she's been very supportive uh i, I would say at the beginning she couldn't understand why i'm doing it right now right she's like Ah, you you just graduated. You know, you have your master's, you have your undergrad. Like, why why do you not pursue a career? Like, because she's envisioning me to dive into the corporate world. You know, stuff like that. But you know, over time, I said, "Mom, I had to write this down. I had to write this book now because, first of all, it's a revelation of my growth in the past few years. But more importantly." I want this book to be an inspiration for others. I'm writing this book I wish I had a few years back. Because mm. um, when I was lost and you know in pain from my parents' divorce, I didn't have any 
guidance, or I wish I had a book in my hand that could tell me how to deal with the situation. So literally right now I'm writing this book down so that others who might also feel lost as I was would have an opportunity to gain some insights as to how to heal. Because I, I believe hope is very important. Because back then I, I literally lost hope in terms of how I can be happy again, whether I'm doomed, because I literally feel doomed <laughs> in a lot of ways because I feel like, why this, did this happen to me or my family? Or I also have this thought of, you know, am I going to end up in a relationship like my parents, right? So I, I would say that this book is really trying to offer hope for people who are also in difficult situations or any type of trauma. Uh, yeah, so so I, I would say, so for my mom's reaction is that she turned to be more supportive after listening to the cost of my book project. Uh, but as to my dad, um, so he felt immensely guilty. I mean, he he knew at the beginning that he, he you know, he, he couldn't give me an answer as to why he did what he did. Um, but me writing this book for him is like a redemption because mm-hmm. he feels so proud that I could be so strong to be vulnerable, to tell my story to the world. So I think in a way, even though he's guilty and everything, but he's still proud as a dad, I would say. Well, first of all, I'm really happy to hear that your parents are proud and why shouldn't they be? Obviously, you, you've accomplished so, so much and you've become this badass independent woman who is not afraid to follow her passions and and listen to to that gut feeling right because yeah i i I would say it's definitely unique to right after graduation take that risk most people i feel like are more gravitated towards the the corporate world at least for the first couple of years so in that sense i i really really admire you but yet again, I can definitely relate to you. Are you wanting to to share your experiences and your learnings from the past years to provide hope to people? Because that was also one of the motivations why I started FemHive and why I started this podcast, because I had some not so great experiences after graduating from college and I was really struggling and suffering from depression. So mm. I felt like... I, I, I had to share not only my story, but had to share that this is a story that is worth listening to and that actually like a lot of people and especially women are experiencing. And so, yeah, I can definitely relate to to that that feeling of wanting to help other people who might be going through something similar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's that's really why I'm doing what I'm doing and give me the courage to take that leap of faith uh, in myself. Because as a first-time author, it takes so much courage to, you know, just get out there and just, you know, buckle down and do it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. I can imagine, like, writing a book is still uh, on my bucket list as well, but I I haven't gotten down to even, like, thinking about a topic just yet. But we'll see. Maybe a few years from now, I'll I'll reach out to you and be like, Mary, I need your help. Like, how did you do this? (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd be happy to. More more powers to female authors. Exactly. Okay. That's a deal then. (laughs) Yep. I'll hold you accountable. 
Yep, <laughs> definitely will do. Um, awesome. So we already talked a little bit about like traveling and your move from from Beijing to the U.S. When moving to a different country, people oftentimes experience culture shock and it can take some time to figure out cultural norms and adjust in a new country um, for example <laughs> I don't think I will ever get used to how flaky Americans can be <laughs> and obviously right now my German roots are um, coming out a bit but uh-huh. in my humble opinion if two people make plans you have to follow through with them in a timely manner so mm-hmm. um To the Americans out there, respect your friend's time and emotional investment, please. Oh, yes. (laughs) Um, Mary, could you maybe share some anecdotes of how you had trouble adjusting to new cultural environments, especially um, in the U.S.? Sure. Um, So I I would start with, obviously, when we talk about, you know, cultural shock, uh, I think an unavoidable topic is the stereotypes that people have. Is, is that, you know, because before you enter a new country, you sort of have those stereotypes in your mind as to how people behave. Either it's you read it off from newspaper or you learn it from the media, which is a terrible idea to learn uh, a new culture is from the media. But I would say for me, when I first, you know, came here, I think the biggest thing that I felt the culture shock is just how loud people are. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like I, I just do not know why, but I, you know, wherever I go, I feel like people sort of don't feel uh, the need to, I feel like they take a lot of space, right? Not, not only physically, but, but just like in terms of voicing their opinion, they're very loud. That's like my impression at the very beginning. Definitely different from where I grew up from, you know, back home. It's definitely very, I would say, kind of mindful of other space, right? right? Like trying to not to make too much noise and stuff like that. So, but I fear here people don't feel hesitant to declare their space. So I, I would say that that's a, that, that's a first culture shock. Um, but there's some other culture shock experience as I travel solo around the world. I think the first one, when I was in Israel, the thing that I felt very, ah, like a surprise to me is the how, because you know the, the word chutzpah, right? Chutzpah, mm-hmm. where people just like go for it, right? Like it's like, uh, but that to me at the beginning felt very aggressive. You know, when I was at the airport trying to board the airline and then I, there's, I didn't know that you have to just like rush to towards the front to be able to get on board. Like I thought there's a line for people to like, get on board but apparently I was wrong so like I was the last person boarding the plane because all the people already rushed way toward the front and they already got seated so I guess that's like a cultural shock to me as to ah there so when you board a plane you just gotta go for it <laughs> there's, there's no line so I, I guess that that that's another interesting uh, anecdote and also when I was in the Caribbean's because I was always time conscious, right? I was like, ah, oh, it's about time. I'm on a schedule, right? I have to go mm-hmm. to par- uh, parasailing. I have to go to all these other activities. But, you know, people back, uh, people there just really like, miss, you got to calm down. Like it's um, <laughs> island time. So it's like, there's no deadline. There's no schedule. And I just love that attitude, you know? So I, I guess different parts of the world, it really kind of, I learned so much from, you know, traveling to different places and learn these different cultures. So I, I would say the culture shock is the first 
a step for me um, to tap into this amazing opportunity to learn other cultures and how people react in different situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree. And uh, your experience in the Caribbean, very relatable as well for me, because my partner is Latino, he's Mexican American. And so obviously, they're a little more chill and relaxed and calm down there, right? Yeah. And me as a German, I'm also like, okay, I always have like a set schedule and we uh-huh. cannot be even like one minute late because it would stress <laughs> me out, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so I can totally relate to, to, to that weird feeling that you must have felt back then when you're just trying to get stuff done and yeah. the people are there were like, okay, Mary, relax, calm down. You have enough time to explore everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Live in the moment. <laughs> Even though you don't understand, how can you be so sure that I can just calm down? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when when it's like I'm like 30 minutes late to get yep. to this, you know, place, and then these people are still like, calm down. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. So, yeah that that yeah. like being 30 minutes late. I don't think I've ever been 30 minutes late, and it would give me so much anxiety. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so we were already briefly talking about it um, earlier, Mary, but um, obviously our non-conventional family dynamics have shaped us. Our traveling has shaped us. And at least, you know, for me, while my hometown and my family will always provide me with a familiar and safe environment, similar to you, to me, home is now something different that I have to create for myself. And it combines all the different parts of my identity, mm-hmm. such as my cultural roots, my values, my time in college, which had a huge impact on me, my travels, and all the people in my life. And I think these experiences like ours will become even more common in the future. We already talked about you know, divorce rates steadily increasing, so there will likely be even more children with divorced or separated parents, but also more and more young people are studying and working abroad. And when we think about the future of work, especially in a post-COVID world, I think that environment will allow for an increasing amount of digital nomads working remotely and traveling more frequently. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that all of these conversations will only become more relevant in the future. Mm. Mary, based on everything that, that we're already talking about today and all these valuable takeaways, how do you build a home away from home? I think, you know, Tamina, I think that's a very important question for every one of us to ask ourselves, right? So I think first to to answer that question, the first thing is for us to notice that home no longer is defined by where you are born because people move around the world so much these days that it's really no longer constrained to where you were born. So I believe that that's the first step to answer that question is to how do you build a home away from home, a much bigger or broader definition, because it's no longer a physical location. It's basically where we are, but how to build that sense of belonging in a different place or in a foreign land. I think the first step is to make friends, find your community, because that's critical for you to feel 
uh, that you're not alone. Because because the, the mm. you know the worst case scenario is that you feel so alone that you you never feel you belong. Because I think essentially to feel at home is to feel that you belong. So, uh, but to feel belong is that you have to belong to something. That that the something I think in my opinion is the community. So either that's your faith community or it's your uh, hobby or it's your career. There's just so many different communities out there. Uh, whoever identify the same thing with you will be, I think, will be a great start to build that sense of home. Mm, yeah, I totally agree with you. I feel like one of the reasons why nowadays I, I even consider my alma mater's campus as my true and forever home is because of all the amazing people that I met. Like I made friends for life. My college girlfriends are are going to be my future bridesmaids. And no matter where they are in the world, they will always be an important part of me. So I definitely agree with you that community is is so, so important. And again, I think for me, especially after graduating from college and moving to a new place, that was challenging for me. And in one of our first episodes on, on this podcast, we actually talked to uh, my good friend Whitney on how to find community in a new city and it, it is mm. tough it's it's a process right because mm. you you feel like i need to mirror the same social experience i had in college in the real world as well but that's mm. just not feasible right because mm -hmm. of different structures and, and different setups in the real world um so that's that's why i think it's it's definitely like a lot more difficult once you're out there in the real world than it used to be when you're still in, in school and everyone was just trying to make new friends all the time. Mm. Have you experienced anything like that since you've graduated? Yeah, I, I think definitely. I, I kind of can see what you're saying in terms of it becomes more challenging to uh, find or form a group of friends uh, outside of college because, I mean, When we're in college, it's easy, right? It's all there for you, right? Yeah, you, all you these have, shared spaces. Yeah, yeah. you have activity fair. You have all these things that is always there for you. So I would say in real life, how to still build that community. I believe sometimes we need to be more self-starter in that mm. sense. Like we need mm. to be more proactive to uh, reach out to people. Or even start something of your own, right? Either it's a book club, or 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 it's a tennis, you know, you know, uh, tennis group, or whatever, whatever that may be. I think it, it really definitely requires more of a, a self-starter spirit. And and uh, and I love that. I mean, I I remember, um, <laughs> I remember actually how how we met on on LinkedIn was just like randomly your your post came across cross my feed about you promoting your new book and I oh. commented on it and then <laughs> later on you you reached out to me privately through a message and uh -huh. you know now we're having yeah. this wonderful conversation so so mm -hmm. I, I I love that what you're referring to as the the self-starter mentality because I feel like that's 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 so common in life you you meet a person or like multiple people and at that moment in time you have no idea how that individual or these people could have a lasting impact on your life or how yeah. meeting them could lead to to a new opportunity so I definitely agree let's just like embrace it let's embrace meeting new people and mm -hmm. and have fun with it and 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 feel feel loved by by those people around you <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I th I think it's it's a very helpful advice that we could give to 
other newly college grads out there. So where they could uh, kind of know that they need to be more proactive than because the real life is not everything is provided for you, right? Uh, you got to just to go and reach out to people to build that connection. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Well, look, I, I really loved our conversation today. And, and, and maybe to, to end on a, on a lighter note, um, <laughs> this is totally unrelated, but yeah. on your LinkedIn profile, it says people should initiate a conversation with you about snow leopards. <laughs> What's up with the snow leopards, Mary? <laughs> oh my God, Tamina, I'm so happy that you, <laughs> you look into that. Um, so snow leopards, so first off, it's my nickname. <laughs> it's oh. a nickname my boyfriend calls me snow leopard but the more important part uh, is that I always have a hobby in terms of keeping up with snow leopards because they are definitely an endangered species mm-hmm. um, and I have been doing a lot of research on you know the snow leopard fund and all these uh, NGOs or foundations that help to rescue snow leopards for me it's a motivation because I, I, I hope one day I can be a philanthropist who could mm. contribute more to help this endangered species and help, help with more research to help grow the population of snow leopards. So, so basically that's, that's why. <laughs> well, that's, that's a beautiful story. And um, it, it's great to hear that you are so invested in, in making sure that snow leopards um, mm-hmm. have a future on this planet. There is definitely a lot of things that need to change um, yeah. in order to to make sure that all of these amazing animals and plants will remain on planet Earth. But, oh, um, absolutely. But yeah, thank you so much for, for your contributions and for educating people around this very important topic. We can't have enough philanthropists and activists who who will fight for important causes like these. Absolutely. And especially as a Gen Zer like myself, mm. um, you know that how much we care, this younger yeah. generation. I'm so happy to see there's so many young activists out there or people who really care about the climate, the planet mm. Earth, uh, animal rights. I, I really do care these issues and I hope uh, the younger generations could to do more to make these issues better. And I think the huge gen- uh, difference between the younger generation and the old generation is that I think we sort of, we're the self-starter, right? We, we no mm. longer wait for change mm. to happen. We are trying to make that change. Awesome. Well, I couldn't imagine better words to end with on today's episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Mary, <laughs> for joining me today. I really, really enjoyed our conversation so, so much. Oh, I love it too, Tamina. It's such a pleasure. And thank thank you again for having me. Of course. Awesome. And um, you ladies out there are in for a treat because Mary will actually provide one lucky listener with a signed copy of her book. Uh, make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow FemHive on Instagram to find out how you can become the lucky winner of a signed copy of where is home. And that concludes our show. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Since we're just starting out, it would be amazing if you left us a positive review on Apple Podcasts and shared FemHype with all your female coworkers and girlfriends so we can empower as many young women as possible. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. 
I'm Tamina Stoll, and I hope you will be tuning in again next week. Take care, ladies.